hey, see if this resonates for you, okay, or resonates with you. In our business, the best pros work hard, have perseverance to get to their goals. Almost everyone in our business adds up to more than what you see on the surface. Uh, maybe it's because we're doing so many jobs and wearing so many hats. Today is a great example of that. Somebody who has depth of passion and perseverance. And of course, that's an ideal person for us to talk with on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. You ready for this? To enjoy any of our episodes, you only need to be interested in others to be able to want to grab some thoughts and wisdom about how others are being successful in the radio business right now. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. What you are about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, hearing the stories of an amazing radio pro right now, and of course, uncovering the path forward in radio. That sounds like a good deal. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. Our difference is we help treat your entire business, programming and sales. We are branding specialists who help our clients fully develop the right position for their brand or brands in their local radio market to collect the most revenue. Coach local morning shows and other talents, design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, even produce daily music logs if you need that. We provide excellent voice trackers, sales and promotional ideas that move the revenue needle and a lot more. It's unlikely you've worked with anyone like RPC because we treat the whole business. We're confidential, market exclusive for radio, and we focus on helping our clients generate more revenue. Do you have a problem that gets in the way of that next level of ratings or revenue? It's easy. Reach out, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. Listen, we're only about a minute or less away from having a conversation with Mike Vincent. He's the corporate music director of country at West Virginia Radio Corp and the PD and on-air of WKKW in Morgantown, uh, number one. He reminds me again, really cool. We're going to get into that a little bit too. Listen, you can see our full guest calendar all the way into eh, March or early April. I mean, we're really starting to schedule into April now, and you can check it all out at our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. We do not lock away anything on our site the way some other consultants do, so go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime. See what you can get for free from our team. We love doing that with you. Mike, welcome to the Encouragers and the Radio Rally. How are you, sir? Doing great, Lloyd. It is an absolute pleasure to be a part of this prestigious podcast. Thank you for having me on. Oh, prestigious. I like that. Okay. All right. Keep it coming. Listen, it's rare that somebody naturally falls into the radio business. There's always a story, right? And a lot of us have a similar story, at least in the beginning. What was your first experience with radio? You know, I was a teenager. And before radio ever entered the furthest part of my imagination, I was a musician. I was born and raised to play all these musical instruments, drums, guitar, bass, sax. I even played the accordion at one time, keyboards. I was just in love with music, music, music when I was a kid. I actually played with a country band when I was 15, 16, 17 years old, made the record with that same band in Nashville at 17, uh, warmed up for bands like Marshall Tucker, The Outlaws, uh, Greg Allman. 
just to name a few, Molly Hatchett. And by the time I was a junior in high school, I had done more in my musical career than most people in their 20s and 30s ever do. And I was just having a ball. And my very first experience with radio is that band won a radio station contest from WGNA in Albany, New York. And uh, we were on the radio. Um, not only did we perform live on the air with 48 other bands, but we also, when we won this contest, we got interviewed at the radio station. We got to know the radio people there. They were the ones that sponsored it and gave us our trip to Nashville. And off I went. And, you know, I, I was enthralled. I, when I actually was in the radio studio, I was just amazed at what I was looking at because I really wanted to be a recording engineer, studio drummer when I got older. But somehow this radio bug started to seep in. And I went to music college uh, for a couple of years and I got working at this little tiny AM station, WKIP in Poughkeepsie, New York. And somehow that bug creeped in and I said, that's it. I'm done with music. I want to be involved in radio. And I've been involved with it ever since. I was 19 years old when that happened. And that was quite a while ago. Well, listen, we have we have a number of people who start talking about how music was the thing that attracted them. I've never had anyone go inverse and go, man, I did this and I did this, you know, and the Molly Hatchet thing and other things. I mean, that had to be those were incredible experiences, I'm sure. Oh, amazing. And, amazing. And then, you know, I mean, I get the whole engineering thing, right? Because there's the studio. It's right there in front of you. What right. did your parents do for work? And did they appreciate your move into the radio business? You know, I think at first they were it was it was shock. Um, my mom was a hairdresser for many, 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 many years. Uh, my father, retired New York State police officer. He was with the BCI, the Bureau of Criminal Investigation, as a senior investigator when he retired with the New York State Police Force. And so, I mean, nothing to do with radio whatsoever. Um, however, my mother's side was very, very musical. Um, a lot of people mm -hmm. on my side play musical instruments. My mom had a had a Lowry organ in our living room when I was a kid. So we were always around music. So, you know, my mom really was proud that, you know, her firstborn son had, uh, you know, a great, great, you know, career, you know, with music to look forward to. And all of a sudden she was like, radio, what? What are you going to do? So I think she was a little shocked, but, you know, they were very supportive. They've been very supportive since the very beginning um, when they got over the shock. And um, to this day, they they love that I'm in the business I'm in. And it's and so it's you're, so look, you're really fortunate. You've got parents who really supported you, even though your mom maybe wasn't singing from the choir when you made that left turn. Right. So, look, you began part time as a board op on WKIP, then yeah. K104. Yeah. And look, what was it like back in the day? In other words, how did those two early positions inform the direction you wanted to go in this business, Mike? You know, it was creativity at its finest. I mean, even when I was a board op at WKIP, you had to manually insert carts into the players. Um, I used to run a show called NBC's TalkNet. Um, and what I had to do was plug in the commercials manually, you know, each and every night and read the weather twice, twice an hour on the air. And I remember putting my headphones on for the very first time, Lloyd, and I said to myself, oh, that sounds kind of cool. I like that. And, and 
it just I asked my program director. My program director was a guy named Joe Ryan, probably one of the most talented people in the radio business that I've ever met and a great mentor for me. And I would spend my summer vacations away from college at that radio station every single day. And I would watch him do his midday show and I would be glued. And he was using turntables. He was using card decks. He was using reel to reels. And I was just in total amazement. And the way he made those rotary pots move and the way he just hit the switches and he did it with grace and ease. And when he went on the air, his voice was like butter. I was in total amazement. I wanted to be Joe. And then we had a morning guy at the same station. The guy's name was Van Ritchie, whose voice, this guy could melt ice just by speaking. So I kind of learned from him. And before you knew it, I was asking these guys, hey, can you bring me in the production studio? Can you show me how to do a radio show? Um, can you show me how to do commercials? Can you show me how to voice things? So it was just more than just doing that Sunday night talk net show. Wait, 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 wait. How did they, how did they respond to that? How did they... They got this kid who's always hanging out there who wants to do all this stuff and and wants to be taught. Did they embrace that right away? They really did. And they really were very, very, very supportive. And here's the here's the the, the crazy thing. I mean, here I was 19, 20 years old, you know, in the prime of me being, hey, teenager, young male, go out and date, have fun. I was spending my nights at a radio station by myself, you know, I just in dating. I mean, I really didn't want to get out and date. I wanted to learn my craft. And I'll tell you, Lloyd, in this day and age, it's, it's hard to see that sometimes with the generations that are coming up the ranks now. Um, But back then, I don't care if I had to spend an overnight at the radio station. When I was at K104, I was doing overnights. And, you know, that's after I started to learn the craft and I started, you know, kind of evolving and, you know, getting my way and getting my delivery going. And I didn't care. I didn't care that I was at the radio station at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, an hour before the shift started. And I was there till six, seven o'clock in the morning, even talking with the next guy who was on the air just so I can see how he did it. It was a, I, I loved learning. I really, truly did. And that's all I wanted to do was be at a radio station. It's a different time. And it, it, of course, everything's exploded into social media and all kinds of things. Listen, it's always interesting for us to talk with somebody who has been an imaging director, especially a now programmer. How do you think imaging has changed over the last 30 plus years in the radio business? Oh, my gosh. If you listen to especially like what Dave Ryan did with Z100, I mean, it was bigger than life. I mean, the imaging was loud. It was in your face, you know, multi-brand band compressors on everything. It was just boom. I mean, you know, the big, big voices, you know, you know, from the top of the Empire State Building, you know, that kind of thing. You know, nowadays, it's not so much that it's more like connecting with a listener. If you have listeners inside of imaging, if you have the listeners, you know, as a part of your branding. I mean, that wasn't stuff that we used to do back in the 80s so much, unless you had somebody yell, yay, or wow, or whatever. Now it's, you know, to have listeners be a part of your imaging where it's not so big and boomy and the compression is not so hot. Um, 
I really feel it's it's more down to earth now. It's more homey. It's not that big bam boom crash that we had back in the 1980s, and it has well, changed immensely. Well, and look, I don't know if you keep up with the kind of dorky stuff I do. Probably not. But I'm aware that they have changed a lot about how they do monuments, where in the old days, they would make them really tall and un unaccessible. And now they're making monuments, big statues and that kind of stuff, not so big and yeah. more accessible for people. That's kind of the imaging thing that's happened, too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, you know, if you can touch a listener with your imaging, um, you know, have more of the artists, more of them on your radio station. You know, it, it's it's more like I said, it's more down to earth. It's more homey and it's yeah. very refreshing to hear. Um, you don't need all of that big sweeper effect stuff anymore. Um, I mean, some of it's nice to have. Sure, you can show off with it. But, you know, it's not as as prevalent as what it used to be. That's right. Listen, let's talk about you and the in the NYC a little bit. You end up at WYNY in New York City. What was that experience like for you? Oh boy. Yeah, that was my first shake with with major market radio. And that would right. be the two big shakes that I've had. Um, you know, so why why 107? Um, you know, country radio really hasn't done well in New York City for some reason. I mean, you know, there was I remember growing up as a kid, there was 1050 WHN and then they went down. Then there was WKHK and then they went down. Um, so, I mean, why 107? When that came on, I mean, a lot of people were were they were just excited about it because finally there was some country there. And Y107 was a very different beast. It's what they call a quadcast. You know, they had a transmitter on Long Island, a transmitter in New Jersey, a transmitter in Westchester. They had four sticks that would surround New York City, and that's how New York got 107.1. They were all a series of of uh, of translators. Well, some were translators. Others were just normal power sticks. So you would say they had a lot going on. They had a lot going on. And, you know, when I left WRWD in Poughkeepsie in 1999, I was let go after iHeart. Well, at the time, it was Clear Channel after they bought it. Um, I left soon after. Um, Darren Smith was the PD of Y107. And uh, he heard my air check and he said, you know, I'd like to bring you on. Have, you know, do you do some weekends? And then as soon as I came on, he said, you know, there's a production director opening. I'd like you to have a shot at this. I'm putting your hat in the ring for production director. The minute that he said that, it was probably another day or two later, they sold big city radio sold to another company and it turned it Spanish. And that was the end of that. Okay. So I got to spend four months at Y107, and I was with some of the best of the best. Um, Jim Kerr did mornings. Um, you know, there was a whole slew of incredible people uh, that were just amazing to work with. And just to say that I worked with with Jim Kerr in the morning, who's still working in New York City now doing classic rock. I mean, that guy's a legend. And just to say that I was That's in the true. same him, I'm like, wow. You All know. right. So I want people to have kind of full picture of you a little bit. You have experienced life as a cumulus employee. You work yeah. for Odyssey in the intercom days, among yeah. others. Look, having a variety of experiences, different companies, you mentioned Clear Channel, 
you know, what do you think you've picked up from different broadcast companies? Well, I would have to say the biggest strength is, is that each stable of air personalities was completely different, whether it was San Francisco, whether it was Fredericksburg, Virginia, whether it was New York City, every right. different. But everybody was strong. There was some of the strongest air talent that I've ever worked with. Uh, even here where I am in Morgantown, West Virginia, the stable here is very, very strong. The air talents are immense. Um, the people here are great. They were great everywhere I worked. I, I always loved the, the people that I worked with. And I think being, I'm very chameleon-like in that I can see strengths in every air talent and I somehow pick it up and I try to mimic it in some way or parrot it in some way. And I think I've seen strengths in every air talent that I've ever worked with. And I've kind of brought it into my own style. So what I have, it's me. Yeah, there's a lot of me in there, but there's a potpourri of other air personalities that are sitting inside me as well that I've just picked up their strengths. And I said, you know what? I want to take that and I want to take that and I want to take that. And I want to mix it into the pot and stir and present that on the radio. Oh, I think so, that's an incredible part of this business. When you work with strong people, you go, oh, man, look how they do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I worked with one guy in San Francisco, Jojo Cook and Kincaid. And this guy used to work at Q106 in San Diego. In fact, he's got YouTube videos of him when he was in Q106. I used to call the guy the Postmaster General. Because this guy could hit multiple posts. I mean, and of course, I mean, that's not everything in radio these days, but it is so cool. So yeah. I being and sitting in the studio with Jojo and watching him work. And when I was at, at KBWF, The Wolf in San Fran, I spent a lot of time with Jojo in the studio just watching him. And that was I was hey, I was in my 40s at the time and I still wanted yeah. to be in the studio all the time. So that guy had energy. In fact, I think I get a lot of my energy now from WKKW. I can attribute that to Jojo because I picked that up from him. He was very energetic. It was like he wanted to bring the party to the radio. He was the Toastmaster General. And when, you, when he was on the air, he was the guy with the white gloves at the door saying, hey, come on in. If you're not coming into the party, if you're not tuning into the station, you're missing a party. And here's why. That I was do think that, look, experience uh, that I'm not talking about experience on the air. I'm talking about experience people have with you is such a big deal and it's missing in a lot of places. Listen, this doesn't always show up on a broadcast resume. You've got to tell us about snow country mountain reports. <laughs> right? you know, those were the days, you know, um, I, when I, when the KBWF, the wolf uh, went under and they went over to sports, everybody lost their job. And I was one of them. And I said to myself, you know, radio, where is it going? You know, do I and I try, and, you know, this was 2008. And this is when the, you know, the bubble bust, the dot com bubble bust, the economy was in bad shape. The, the mortgages. I mean, we, we all know about how bad 2008 was. And radio was oh, yeah. starting to trim everything down. So I said, what can I do? in broadcast maybe it's not on the air but it's something where i know radio and i can and there was a company in orinda california called mountain news 
um, which is a part of onthesnow.com. And they were looking for somebody to do affiliate relations, manage the ski reporters, manage the on-air ski reports that were coming in daily. And at the time, they had maybe 95 affiliates. I spent two years with them. They were sold to Vail Resorts. By the time I had left, they had 400 affiliates. And that's when Snook called me up and they said, hey, yeah, you know, you're kind of invading in on our space because there's two. There's Snow Country and On the Snow Mountain News. And they said, uh, they offered me a job. They said, you know, you want to come on board with us? And I said, sure. And I took 300, maybe 350 affiliates with me and went to Snow Country. On the snow.com closed down their broadcast division the following year. And wouldn't you know it, after that, you know, uh, Snow Country had a, uh, a trimming and I lost my job then. Oh, but it's unbelievable. A very good thing because that's when Cumulus picked me up. And I said, that's mm-hmm. it. I'm here. I'm going back into the radio. I, I'm, I'm going to go back on the, and I got my first program director gig. And that was with nice. WS Cumulus in Wilkesbury, PA. And that was just another stepping stone. All right. Let's, let's do this. I want to know how you come in contact with WVRC. Well, I was working with, what I thought was my dream job in Melbourne, Florida. And I was working for four stations, WA1A, W. Uh, oh, boy, now these call letters are going to escape me because my head is just floating with call letters. Right, w- right, right. WROK, Nash 1027 FM. There were four stations in Melbourne, Florida. This was my dream job. I got promoted from program director of Nash 93.7 in Wilkesbury to operations manager for this four station cluster in Melbourne. And mm-hmm. I said, this is my retirement gig. I'm going to be on the beach. I'm going to be seagulls, ocean, beach town, loving this. The dream. The, the guy that hired me, uh, Gary Mertens, used to work at West Virginia Radio Corp. And Gary and I had a very, very close relationship when we were there. Um, Cumulus had to tighten its belt. I lost my job. And Gary immediately made a phone call here to West Virginia Radio Corp. And he uh, talked to the GM here and he said, I just had to let one of my people go. I love them. Um, And within a month, I had a job here at West Virginia Radio Corporation. I have not a regret in the world. This place. That's an incredible story about Gary, right? It really, really is. And, you know, he was a big ally. And to this day, I will truly adore and love that guy for getting me here. Um, he really took me under his wing. I learned a lot from him when I was in Melbourne, but I he knew that this would be a great place for me to evolve even further. And I got to tell you something, WKKW, the station that I'm at now, is a dying breed. Every day part is live, including nights. The only thing that isn't is overnight. You don't find many stations like that, Lloyd. No, you don't. And And look, that company is very interested in what's going on locally. It's exciting to hear conversation about them. But look, they trust you a lot with music. What's that responsibility like, Mike? Oh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's something else. But, you know, again, music, again, this is my background. This is what I loved since I came out of the womb. I mean, that love for music, my passion for music. And growing up as a kid, listening to the radio from WABC, you know, to WKTU New York and all the New York stations and all the Hudson Valley stations, 
you know, growing up and digesting all of this into country as well. I mean, I have that love for music and I truly, truly want to be around music. So, you know, I proved to myself, you know, and to the company when I was program director of WKKW, you know, that I had the savvy to program, you know, 24 hours and have, you know, the, the tempos just right. The segues, I could see the segues and hear the segues in my head as I was programming music, know how to adjust the imaging and know how to do the clocks. And things were so great on WKKW. They said, we want to emulate this across the board with our other nice. countries that we own. And that's how I fell into it. And to this day, you know, I work with the program directors here. We don't dictate to them, but we give them suggestive playlists and say, hey, you know what? This is what I've researched. This is what I see. This should be in power. This should be in medium. This should be in light. This is a night record. And we do the suggestions, and then we let the program directors make the final say. But it's great to work as a part of the programming team, not as a dictator, but as a part of the programming team to give them the, the fuel so that their engine can, can take the load and go. Nice. Listen, how involved are y'all in social media and how engaged is your company in digital revenue? You know, our company has a very large digital portion of it. Um, WVRC Media um, not only encompasses radio, television, but now this digital branch, which is just going all over the place. And they are going absolutely gangbusters with digital because this is the future. Um, you know, geofencing is not a new term anymore. And right. we have the technology and we have partners with Google and social media partners that we engage with. And we can actually bring to the client and say, hey, look, you're at a car dealership. Uh, you know, customers at your car dealership or a customers at another car dealership will put the ad on your phone. We'll geofence this and they'll get an ad. You know, for some, they can think, well, that's a convenience. But, you know, for an advertiser, that's a great, great thing to have. So our company does a lot of dynamic engagement when it comes to geofencing, when it comes to anything with online, digital, web, um, not only just, you know, audio, but with video now, too. And right. we've got a giant, giant platform with West Virginia Metro News, which does a lot with state sports, state news. I mean, that platform is an entity unto itself, and it's gangbusters. And there's a lot of radio stations, even outside of our company, who use West Virginia Metro News, not only on the air, but online as well. So, it, again, it's gangbusters, and I've never seen anything like this before. I like it. I like it. All right. So listen, you've been in this business a long time. You, you know, self-professed you started in the eighties when things were big. I think it's yeah. fair to say the eighties were big. Yeah. Um, do you have a mentor in this business? And if so, how would you say that that person has changed your life? Oh, there's been so many Lloyd, it would be impossible to name one. I probably would have to say from a non radio side, are my parents. My mom and my dad have been the biggest non-radio influencers of me. My dad has got a business sense on him like nobody's business. And he has taught not only, you know, given me the business sense to be around this, but in my own voiceover business as well. So very thankful for my father and I love him to death. My mom, who's probably been the biggest cheerleader of my life, 
you know, every word that comes out of her mouth inspires me in some way, shape or form. So from a non-business mentorship, my parents, without a doubt, from a standpoint, I mean, like I said, I could go on and list 20,000 names right now because everybody that has touched my life has been a mentor to me in, in some way, you know, from my earliest program director, Joe Ryan, um, to the late, great John Reed, who was my program director at WFLS in Fredericksburg. Uh, Scott Mahalik, who was my program director when I was at The Wolf in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. You know, there's there's big names, there's small names, but each name, you know, ha- has got a lot of sentimental value for me. I, I can't say I have one, Lloyd. There's There's got to be at least 20 or 30 and well, it was take- the thing the the thing i really like about you is that you're like this renaissance man who takes a little bit from this person a little bit from that person and you watch so intently other people and other talents and i really like that listen i also love that i can do this with you it's this is not about your work in programming or music direction so let's let's take a break from that for a minute it's actually maybe not about radio at all here is a quote about you. Quote, Mike is was fantastic to work with, fun and professional. He was extremely invested in making sure that the voiceover was perfect and really understood the message that the brand was trying to get across. Look forward to working together in the future, unquote. How is your voiceover work different from your radio programming life? Oh my gosh, two separate animals entirely. You know, I have a studio in my home where mm-hmm. I tirelessly, I mean, I get up in the morning, I'm auditioning for jobs, I'm doing projects for clients, go to the work at the station, come home, eat dinner, and I'm up till 10, 11 o'clock at night doing more of that. And it's audition, audition, perform, perform, audition, audition. It's a routine. Um, you know, voiceover is not anything like radio. You know, there are a lot of guys and gals, God bless them. They've been in radio for a long time. Something happens, they get let go of radio and they think, well, I can do voiceover and God bless them for having that inspiration. But the big piece of advice I could give to anybody going into voiceover, you gotta take your headphones off you got to take the announcer part out of you and you have mm-hmm. like a human. When you read those words, you have to digest them, feel them, internalize them and get the emotion out because that's what today's client is looking for. They're not looking for Ron radio to read it at the speed of light and do this and do that and give you a hard sell. You know, th- right. Those are done. You have to feel with emotion every word that's on the page. You know, if you're reading about, for example, something in the field of medical, you know, and somebody's got cancer, you have to read it, you know, very, very emotionally. And you have to feel the grief or sometimes feel the joy of what it feels like to conquer cancer. And you have to let voice be that instrument that takes it either way. Because to sell it like a car salesman will get you nowhere. And I'll tell you something else. It takes a big investment when it comes to the equipment. Um, When I started, I started with some good stuff. 
But, you know, some people think, well, I just buy a microphone, a USB microphone, a laptop, and I can be in my kitchen. It, it doesn't work like that. It takes investment in the, the soundproofing, the bass traps, the, the, the mic, the processing. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a big investment. It to, you know, because clients are not, you know, they'll hear the reflections off your kitchen wall. You, know, you won't get hired very fast. It takes a lot. In fact, over the last year, I probably invested another $10,000 in my studio alone between the, the soundproofing, the bass traps, the, the brand new mics, the new interfaces. And wait, um, this, is, this is something you want to do for a long time, even maybe past radio, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, my dream is to take radio as far as I can take it. And then, you know, take voiceover into the sunset. Well, I, by the way, when, when you when you were talking about how to be real and how, you know, to emote with everything, I thought, you know, like that's a, that's a pretty good tutorial for a radio personality. Too. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I've actually started coaching students now. Yeah. Um, trying to give myself a plug, but, uh, you know, I have started coaching students. So, you know, I'm just going to toss that out there. Um, you know, I, I love to do it. I really, really, really love it. It's, it's, it's it, besides radio, it's my biggest love. Mm, interesting. All right. So finally, a, a really hard question for you. This is always the hardest question that we ask our guest. And look, it's because no matter who you are, I don't care who you are. You do not know the answer to this question. Yeah. But you have a perspective and we want that perspective. So finally, mm -hmm. how do you see the future of the radio business? Where's it all going, Mike? You know, it's got a long, it's going to be a long haul. I mean, think about what we're up against, streaming, on-demand. I mean, this is an on-demand world that we live, we live in now, Lloyd, right. you know, where everything is at your fingertips. I mean, think about it. You know, 15 years ago, we just couldn't pull up a, a movie online. We had to order from Netflix and wait for it. I mean, now it's an instant gratification world. You know, somehow our technology has to kind of meet that instant gratification. How do we do it? I'm not sure, but I'm sure as technology smartens up, you know, we'll, we'll find a way to do it. What I definitely think is that radio personalities need to connect with the listener. This isn't about what national day of the week this is. This isn't about, you know, who won on American Idol or or who did this on this reality show or what reality show you need to connect with your community. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that says this, but this is something that no other platform can excel at except for radio. We have the ability to connect with listeners when COVID happened, you know, as bad as that was, you know, one of the things that we took pride in, Hey, where can you get your kids free bag lunches since kids weren't going to school and parents needed to be at work or whatever. Where can your family find help for this? Where can you find help for that? You need to be, you know, that kind of an operation and super serve your listeners. Well, and don't you also feel like there there is an opportunity for any personality anywhere on the planet, any radio personality to start thinking up ways to connect in that on-demand 
virtual world because now, I mean, not only do we not have to go buy Redbox to get a video or whatever, right. but it, it is an on-demand world. And it's not just for the audience. People producing content are producing so much content. Our radio talent has the opportunity to do YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, uh, Instagram, uh, uh, your own podcast blogging, video blogging, it just goes on and on and on. So there is opportunity, right? There is a lot of opportunity. In fact, I cannot emphasize enough. Get get a podcast on your station website ASAP. That's a great way to connect with a listener. You know, um, it's all about, like I said, connection. And the more ways we can connect with our audiences, you know, the better off we'll be. And again, we need to find something to keep an interactive on-demand entity happening. I mean, we found the technology to go radio automated. Who would have thought 30 years ago, you know, back in the 1990s, we'd have the technology we do now? Right. Who would have thought? It's, it, it, really, it really needs to devo- evolve in, in that way. And I'm, and, I, and I'm confident it will. I mean, I'm a radio geek. I'm a radio fanatic. You know, that'll never come out of me. I'll always believe in radio. I really think that there's a way that that radio will survive. I mean, it, it well, has. Radio's to- all, look, radio's always adapted. And guys like you and I who study this business, who know that this business is about people and connectivity, there's an innovation coming. No question. Mike, I want to thank you for being our guest today. It's great to get this time with you. Thank you. And thank you to Joe Kelly. I really appreciate what you guys do day in and day out, Lloyd. Thank you so much. Listen, you can get free, more free resources to help your sellers with our encouraging sales success series inside our free blog at BrainMakerPathway.com anytime. We're here to encourage radio pros at all levels. Subscribe anytime to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Of course, you can get it on Apple, Audible, Spotify, almost anywhere that you get your podcast. Listen to episodes in our large and growing archive of episodes. We're almost at a hundred now. And of course you get our new episodes usually every Monday. Guarantee you'll be encouraged because uh, look, you're going to learn unexpected and valuable things because of our very guest, our very talented guests that show up episode after episode. You always will learn something in an episode like this one. Remember, if you know somebody you would like to hear as a guest on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, email me or have them email me, F-O-R-D at BrainMakerPathway.com. We hope you have a great week. Look, like we like to say on our radio rally and at Rainmaker Pathway. Once you have a radio station, get anything else you want. If you want to know what I mean by that, please give me a call anytime. I'd be glad to share. We want to thank our special guests for this live event and podcast. Mike Vincent, Corporate Music Director for Country, West Virginia Radio Corp and PD and On Air for WKKW in Morgantown for being our patient and giving guest. A special thank you, of course, to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which will be available in minutes. And of course, we thank you, uh, JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast with others that you know are interested 
in growing their careers in radio and in audio. Subscribe anytime on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcast. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else from tonight's episode, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers. And good night.